it's tough for couples to pick all the vendors they need for their wedding. It could be 20, maybe even 30 or more. And that means a ton of research to find the right ones. Reviews and other forms of social proof help potential clients cut through the noise and reduce the risk in choosing you over others. But it's not easy to get clients to take the time to leave you a review. And even if they do, it's not always meaningful. In this week's episode of Own Your Business, I dive into what keeps couples from leaving you that review, why it's so important to get them in the first place, and then share eight practical tips to make it easy to get them to fill out the form and post the review. Own Your Business is a podcast for event professionals who want to grow with proven approaches. I'm Sam Jacobson, a sales, pricing, and copywriting expert in the wedding industry. Throughout my career, I booked hundreds of events for millions in revenue. I've also led teams in premium and luxury markets. Now I coach people like you with my company, ID Action Consulting. It's not easy to run a business, especially if it's a business of one, because we aren't born knowing everything. Like you, I had experts who showed me the way when I was starting out and when I was ready to level up. I hope this podcast gives you the confidence to own your business. Katie and I spent a month in Italy last fall. I began planning it right after Christmas in 2020. This is when things were at their lowest with the election, the pandemic, and nobody was really doing any weddings except our friends in Florida, Tennessee and Kentucky, and photographers in Colorado. I mean, it was bleak. This trip started as a way for us to fantasize about a future that seemed better, that would be more fun, and the trip would be more affordable. No one was traveling, and companies needed deposits for cash flow purposes, so we found incredible deals at amazing places. Our flight, first class, one-third their normal price. I'd never flown first class because it was so expensive, but now we could actually afford it. Top hotels in Europe were half or more what they typically cost, and we rented a Mercedes for the price of a Toyota Corolla. Europe itself was wide open for business, but almost no other American tourists were around. Streets were empty. In Florence, we were there for four days. We heard maybe 10 people speak English. In Venice, there were more pigeons in St. Mark's Square than people. It was wild. I've been to Europe over a dozen times. This was by far the least crowded it had been. When we travel, Katie and I usually enjoy outdoor activities, and we spend a ton of time eating. We like to spend the morning walking around or checking out busy places before they get crowded. Then we have a three-course, maybe four-course lunch for a couple of hours, take a snooze at the hotel in the afternoon, and wrap up the day with a two- or three-hour dinner outside on some patio or terrace with a view. You can imagine how many restaurants we stopped at when over 30 days in Italy. And we had some really memorable experience. Only once or twice did we make a bad call on the restaurant choice, and it was usually less about the food than it was about the service. I remember how much I wanted to help support these local businesses wherever we traveled. It was tough times for them, and we wanted to do what we could to give them a shout out on social media with tags and updated reviews for food and travel sites. But the trip kept us busy, and we were eating and staying at so many places it was really hard to keep up. I got to maybe half of the hotels to review them, and maybe one in four or one in five restaurants got a review. And even though the trip was incredible and we'll have memories for the rest of our lives, even a year later, I already have a hard time recalling all the places we stayed and only a handful of the restaurants. The window for reviews closed in my memory a long time ago. Now, I'm sharing this story with you because it's a lot like what your couples go through with their wedding vendors. 
They have 20 or 30 companies they work with over the course of a year planning out the wedding. Mostly great experiences. And they want you to do better and other couples to know you're 100% worth the fees that you charge. But the big day comes and goes. Maybe they do the honeymoon. And then it's back to the everyday grind that keeps them overwhelmed with daily life. They simply forget or they don't make time to write a review for everyone. Like me on this trip to Italy, they had the best intentions, but it just didn't end up a priority. So today I'm going to share some secrets on how you can make it easier for couples to share their feelings about your services on review sites. And I'm going to offer eight tips and none of them will cost you anything or make you feel like you're bribing your couples because that can actually backfire. When you bring money into the equation, the altruistic experience of offering a peer review turns into a financial transaction, which can demotivate many, many people. First of all, just a reminder about the power of reviews and why they're important. The power of social proof is crucial to booking more business. Go ahead and listen to episode eight on my podcast if you want to get the full scoop. But here's the short version. Social proof plays on the powerful cognitive biases by encouraging people to feel like choices they're making will give them good results. It goes back to the way our ancestors survived on the African savanna for hundreds of thousands of years. If someone went before you and lived to tell the tale, it's proof they survived. And that's a good thing. The hurt effect specifically plays on a feeling of safety in numbers. If everyone else is with me, then it's more likely I'm going to be okay. And lastly, doing what others do reaffirms the feeling that you're making a smart choice because others are doing the same thing too. You look to the left, you look to the right, and you get confirmation. And therefore, you feel more secure in what you're about to do. Ultimately, social proof is about reducing the amount of risk in the choice that you're about to make. And that's really important, especially in complex decision-making. Neil Rackham, who I consider the godfather of complex sales transaction, he researched 30 plus thousand sales experiences. And in his research, he found that the number one concern among buyers at the end of the decision-making process was risk. How can I reduce the risk that this will not work out? That this will be a bad choice. So social proof provides that reassurance that your couples need when they're about to say yes. And not just a final yes, the yes at the end, but all of the little mini yeses, the micro commitments they need to move forward with your services. I'm talking about getting them to DM you on social media or to get past the homepage with a click of a button on your website or to fill out the contact form and submit it. And so many other yeses you need for the buyer to work through their journey to say yes at the end when they sign a contract and send that deposit in. Like I say in episode eight, I talk about what social proof is and how it works different kinds of social proof, and the most compelling ways to use social proof on your website. Give it a listen. But for the rest of this episode, I'm going to share with you eight simple rules to get more testimonials and ultimately more reviews from your clients. Remember, the easier you make it for them, the more feedback you'll get. That's the overarching strategy. Make it easy for them. All right, here is the first tip. Number one, ask early. People feel really, really good about their choices right after they make them. After all, they just chose to go with you, right? But because they likely made a decision with the emotional part of their brains, they don't know two important things. One, why they made the choice, because it was probably on instinct and feeling. And two, they can't articulate it through communication because that's located in a different part of their brain. And I'll address this a little bit more in Guide Life 4. 
So to help ease the first problem, you have to create a way for them to go through what's called a post-rationalization. All right, a post-rationalization. Basically, what this means is that people look back on a decision they made with their gut or felt with their heart, and then they find a way to explain it with their head why they did it. You know, when you first start dating someone and your friends ask you why you like that new person, you feel it, you know it's a good thing, you're going to keep going, but you can't explain it to others. You might say something like, I don't know, I just know, or something similar that has no meaning. At some point, you know that you're going to have to do better to explain it to your family and friends if they're going to believe you or take it seriously. So you actually sit down and think about it and come up with a reasonable answer. Now, in this case, the sooner you ask a client of yours to rationalize their decision, the more likely they are to recall why they did it in the first place. Our company recommends sending out requests for feedback twice, in fact. Once right after the couple secures your services, and the second right after the wedding or when you give them the deliverables. Now, this last part is important, the deliverable timing. For instance, if you're a stationer, why not ask right after you deliver the goods? Don't wait several months for feedback after the wedding finally rolls around. If you're a photographer or videographer, you have to wait until you see the work before you get feedback on the tangible product. And why only send something out right after they book with you? Because you want to know how they felt when they make the decision to go with you in the first place. We recommend questions like, what was the most important thing to you in picking someone for whatever it is that you do? What, if anything, held you back from choosing my services? Or if you want to do it positively, what made you feel most confident in choosing my services? Who else were you considering? That way you know how to position yourself against the comp set in the future. And other questions that help you identify what messages to create for future potential clients in your marketing and sales material. We do this with every brand communication strategy for all of our website copywriting clients. And I'll tell you, the feedback is solid gold. Your clients, your your couples, they know more about why they chose you than you do. Ask them and get the insights. Number two, you have to ask often. If you don't get a response on the first email, ask again. Even a third time if you need to. It could just be a matter of timing. They could be busy. They could be on vacation. Who knows? It's all about catching them at the right moment when they have a few minutes to fill it out. And no, you're not bugging them. Remember, they love you. They want to rave to all the world about how incredible you are and the good choice they made. So take a deep breath, work through your fear of rejection or getting ghosted, and make additional requests for their kind words until they say yes. Tip number three, let them know why it's important. One of the best ways to actually get a response is to let them know how it will help. It's going to help in a couple of ways. The first way is that it helps to let other couples now looking for a vendor in your category know how good of a choice it is to go with you. Remind your couples how nervous they were about picking the right person way back when and how their current thoughts and the review will reduce the anxiety future couples have. The second way it helps is with your business. Let them know how you rely on current and past clients to refer you future clients. It's a free way they can give to push you in the right direction with your business and help support your family. Number four, ask specific questions. Remember how I told you earlier that the feeling part of our brain is not very connected to the communication part? That means people don't know how to articulate what they felt. So you have to help them. If you request feedback on a review form, and all you have is a long form answer box and a blinking cursor, 
it's going to be really hard for them to figure out what to say. Nobody likes scaring at a blank screen. So ask great questions if you want better responses. Something like, Sam was incredible, or it was the best decision we made, or I can't thank you enough. These are not great responses. Instead, prompt people with specific questions, and they're going to give you specific feedback. The bonus tip that I want to share with you on this one, start your questions with three things. What, how, and tell me more. I totally recommend staying away from why. Rephrase it instead to what or how wording. Why questions create a feeling of being judged. All right, number five, keep the form short. No one wants to spend hours filling out a form or even more than a few minutes. Ask five to eight questions to make it appear easy to get through. You do not want them getting frustrated, which creates a negative emotion. Right in the middle of filling out your questionnaire where you're hoping that they're going to gush about how amazing you are. Keep it short. Tip number six, use a form that shows progress. This is a super simple, very effective tactic to get them to feel like they're going to be done soon. You can use a platform like Typeform, which is what we use when we collect feedback from our clients' clients. The nice thing about Typeform and others like it is that it shows only one question at a time. Start with their name and they're going to fill it out. Once they get started, momentum builds and they're more likely to keep going and finally finish. At the bottom is a progress measure. If they see it's only six or seven questions and the first one is their name, and the next one is an email, they're more likely to keep typing responses. All right, guideline number seven. Summarize feedback and send with the link to publish. This is crucial for two reasons. The first is because you want to get them going with that momentum that I talked about, and then you just use inertia to push them to the finish line. You're getting them started on the review process without them even knowing what they're doing. You're not tricking them. You're just keeping them focused on the questions at hand which will definitely help you. And then once you're finished getting the feedback with these small questions, you want to make it easy for them to create an actual full review for the traditional review sites like The Knot or WeddingWire or Google, which all help your search engine results page and your business listings on the platform. So this is how it works. You send out the questionnaire, you get the responses, you take those responses, and then In an ethical way, you summarize the content in their words, and then you rewrite everything in a couple of paragraphs. You're bringing their words together in complete sentences that make sense. And then you're going to summarize that and put it into an email and send it back to them to see if it sounds accurate. Included in the email is a link to your profiles on different platforms, WeddingWire, The Knot, Google, whatever it is that you want them to post it on, And then you're going to put the most important one first and ask them to take just 30 seconds to help other couples and your business by posting the review. All they have to do is copy and paste it. My eighth and final tip is to ask them to share this review directly with any friends that they have who are getting married. Here's a pro tip to leverage as much as you can from word of mouth referrals. Most couples have friends who are planning their wedding or hopefully they're going to get engaged soon. You want to tap into that. Make a direct ask for your current clients to share with someone they know who might benefit from your services. It takes just a few sentences on the email, and it could be just the nudge they need to make the recommendation. And the recommendation directly to a friend or family member, that's the holy grail for social proof. 
There's nothing more powerful. Now it's my turn to ask you. It's the one-year anniversary of this podcast. Can you believe it? 52 weeks of episodes. I'd love for you to leave a review for my podcast to let others know how much it can help their business. It'll take you just a few minutes, and it helps me grow the podcast audience. I offer free advice to business owners like you because it fills my cup. It fulfills my purpose, and I'd like to help as many of you as I can with each episode. If you're wondering what to write, tell them your biggest takeaway and how it's made your business more successful. Even just a quick five-star review with 10 words after it goes a long way. Thanks for your help. Boom. That's it for this episode on Own Your Business. If you've heard me on a stage or a workshop or someone else's podcast, you know I have a hard time keeping it short, but I know you're busy. So thanks for spending time with me today. You have a ton of options for guides when it comes to getting you to where you want to go. I hope you found someone you can continue to trust. If you have a friend who could use practical strategies to own their business, please share this episode with them. If you can't think of anyone in particular, we settle for a quick review on whatever podcast platform you listen through. 